Welcome to Full Focus. This is part two of my podcast with former NBC International news soundman and producer Louis Molina. Louis has covered every crisis region in the world imaginable and worked alongside some of the most influential journalists in the world. In this part, Louis talks to me about covering the brutal civil war in El Salvador and how a helicopter medevac mission almost cost him his life while the cameras were rolling. The total runtime for this is 19 minutes and 11 seconds. Listening discretion is advised as some descriptions are of graphic nature. Without further ado, strap in your seatbelts and enjoy. I went back to El Salvador to bring some television equipment for my family business. Okay, and I used to do that every now and then. They needed equipment. I would buy cameras, you know, recorders, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I have gone back to bring this equipment to my family. At this point, the situation in El Salvador was getting really, really bad. This is the beginning of the Civil War, you know, a lot of violence, people disappearing. And so my family business was really booming because news business, you know. And then the, net, the major networks started coming to El Salvador and setting up bureaus down there. And my family business was the natural client for them because they had all this footage and they had crews that went out. And in one of those deals, I met one of the NBC producers. I was showing him the equipment I had just bought in the state and brought to my family. And the guy was like, wow, you speak good English. Uh, did you go to school in the States? And I said, yeah, I just graduated from film school. Mm -hmm. So he goes, wow, would you like to work for NBC? <laughs> we need a salmon. <laughs> right now we can use a salmon as a free freelance, you know, as a contractor. And I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And after that, uh, I found that doing sound for uh, news was a lot easier than the sound I had learned with the Nagra reel-to-reel in filmmaking school. It was a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So I started doing sound for NBC, and my colleagues understood from the get-go that I knew the story inside that now, which I did. I was born and raised down there. <clears throat> yeah. I knew all the main government officials. I knew all the main military guys. I knew the commanders of the guerrilla, because a lot of them did business with my family, so I knew them, wow. okay? Mm -hmm. and, and so I started putting my two cents into the story, suggesting, you know, we should do this, we should interview this guy, and pretty soon they started trusting me, because... <laughs> they, they saw, okay, you have the in, very valuable, right. right, to the news organizations to get access to, to this, and, and so this is in El Salvador, the civil war that happens there, I think it went from 1980 to like 1992. It was like 12 like years, 11, 12 years. 12 years. Right? And it was a brutal war. It was uh, human rights violations left and right. Uh, I think 75,000 people or so killed. Um, and you in the middle of all of this uh, covering the story. Yes, I was in the middle. We used to go every two weeks. I used to be scheduled to go to El Salvador for two weeks. And then they will rotate the crews. And uh, it was perfect for me because I loved what I was doing. Yeah. You know, gave me the sense of uh, power when we f uh, sent the satellite transmission to New York. Mm -hmm. And that night at the time, 18 million Americans will be watching nightly news. Must feel good, huh? I felt great that I was part of that team bringing all this to the people here. Right. And remember, the U.S. was deeply involved because we were providing hundreds of millions of dollars to the Salvadorians. They were an ally. 
um, in, in the context of the Cold War, right. I believe. And this is under the Reagan administration. Under the Reagan administration, he was afraid the communism would want to go through Central America into Mexico and become an existential threat to the United States. Mm -hmm. It was the Cold War, typical Cold War confrontation between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. The guerrillas were supported by Cuban and Nicaraguan. They were giving uh, weapons, training, uh, logistical support, and the U.S. was behind the government. Now, that's the sad part is, you know, the country was a military dictatorship, mm -hmm. okay, because it was all military men that won the presidency. The, uh, the elections were sham elections. Mm -hmm. So that's how the war started. People got tired of, of the social injustice, lack of health care. It was horrible. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, separation of classes and, and income inequality. Yeah, the division of classes was outstanding in there. You know, when the, the war started, I was so surprised to learn through the Jesuits that run the Catholic University, they were the social, social scientists, they knew all the percentages, when less than 10% of the population in El Salvador had uh, a good diet. Mm -hmm. I felt guilty that I was one of those 10 percenters, you know. Right, right. You were privileged. Oh, my time. God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. 90 percent don't have an adequate diet. Right. No right. wonder they had, we had a war in this country. But I knew it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I was actually very critical of that, you know, with my peers and my parents. But Hey, it's like don't rock boat, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and that's the other thing too. Like you have to be now. You're entering also a territory that can become risky for you, depending on because you're a part of a journalistic team that brings messages to the world that broadcasts it, right? And plus, you have some in with the government officials in El Salvador as well. So I'm sure you, you kind of were, were mindful of the things you were saying uh, in public. Yes, I have to be very careful, including sometimes we will go to interview one of the well-to-do families, people that I knew, you know, I knew who they were. Uh, some of them didn't know me personally, but I knew exactly who they were. Mm -hmm. And the whole conversation will be in English because these people were educated in the U.S., Europe, you know, they spoke impeccable English. So I never let these people know that I was a Salvadorian because I knew there was going to end up being a controversy, you know, about the war and what do you think about the war. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they were ready to hear my opinion about the war. Did they care? Well, they wouldn't be very upset with me <laughs> to, to hear what I have to say about yeah. the social injustices. See, they just didn't see it that way. They just saw it as communism trying to take over their hard earn money, but it was more complicated than that. It always is more complicated yes, yes. than it seems on the surface. Right? And that's yeah. the thing, you know, um, helping the producers and correspondents, I will tell them, we got to listen to what the soldiers and the guerrillas mm -hmm. tell us. They, were, they belong to the same class, but they, they were fighting each, each other. other. Right. And you know. what, what were you, were you doing sound? I was doing sound, but pretty quickly they said, you know what, we don't need a producer. If you can do sound and produce, which was fine with me, okay? And uh, then I also, because I was trained as a cameraman in film school, I did everything in film school. I will work with the cameraman in a situation that, you know, he's inside the viewfinder, mm -hmm. the black and white viewfinder, so he can't have peripheral vision, but I did. 
So if I will see something, I will just whisper in the ear of the cameraman, pan left or pan right, you know, there's something called, and he will follow up. So I was another set of eyes, and I knew how to ask the questions. I was bilingual. I also considered myself bicultural. Mm -hmm. After being in the United States for a number of years, having an education, mm -hmm. I, I more or less understood how Americans saw the world. Mm -hmm. So I was able to relate to that and also relate to the poor peasants in El Salvador. Tell me the most incredible, dangerous, emotional situation that you encountered while covering the El Salvadoran Civil War. There was one situation that one of the things is in New York, our bosses in New York always wanted us to, if possible, do stories related to the Huey helicopters. The what? The helicopters, the Hueys. They call it the Hueys. The helicopters that they use in Vietnam, mm -hmm. they were using some of those at the beginning of the war. They were limited because the Salvadorian only had six or eight of them. And that was a hindrance for them because at the beginning of the war, the guerrillas were really kicking their butts. Mm -hmm. They were winning the war. Mm -hmm. they, were, they had the initiative. The army was badly trained and badly equipped. And they were really, they were at the point of almost losing the country. That's when the, the U.S. got alarmed and had hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they got a lot of helicopters. And, uh, but somehow the uh, top people in New York for the networks always wanted us to do stories related to the Huey, I guess, because it's such an iconic, iconic image of Vietnam. They wanted to right. bring that up. Right. So... They still, you know, because it was a typical case of a counterinsurgency against the established army, the Salvadorian army. So they wanted to see that. Anyways, one day uh, we arrived at this place, you know, close to the, where the war zone was. The eastern, northeastern part of El Salvador was where the worst fighting was going on. Mm -hmm. So we arrived at this place where they had this helicopter parking there. Okay, and I'm like, oh my God, here's a helicopter. Let's start filming there this. There it is, yeah. And yeah. I see the helicopter doing, you know, sorties, taking off and going around and coming back, soldiers and supplies. So I started kind of pushing my way around. Can you please, can you give us a ride, you know, with American journalists? Mm -hmm. And they say, no, 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 no. You wanted to ride on the helicopter. Yeah, we mm -hmm. wanted to get a ride on the helicopter mm -hmm. to be able to film because I'm thinking this is perfect. Right. If we can do a story about it. New York's going to love it. New this. York is going to absolutely yeah. love it. Mm -hmm. Be in good shape with this. Mm -hmm. And they kept saying, no, no. The, the pilot, I will never forget the pilot. The pilot was out of a John Wayne movie <laughs> with the beret, the, 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 the Ray-Ban, the pistol on the side, and speaking impeccable English. He had been trained at Fort Bragg. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I spoke to him in English. He loved that. And uh, I gave him cigarettes, you know. I, mm -hmm. I, I had a Polaroid camera. I used to take pictures of him trying to PR this guy. And I kept begging him, come on, man, you know, we got to do a story. You know, when you were in the, the U.S., and finally, he said, well, look, I'm doing two kinds of missions. I'm doing resupply and medovac. Mm -hmm. He said, I cannot take you on a medovac mm -hmm. because you might end up being dead. Resupply, yes, it's, it's simple, you know, it's safer. So I said, well, can you take us on a resupply? Mm -hmm. He goes, well, maybe later on. So we kept at the distance, you know, filming him and hand gestures from the distance to the pilot. Hey, are you taking it? After a while, he, with the glove, gave me the thumbs up and waved, come on in, come on. 
And he's about to take off in a helicopter. So we're excited. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. This is happening. Right. We're getting this our is, shot. We're getting our shot. We're getting the money shot here. Mm -hmm. So we jump in the helicopter. And my cameraman is next to the pilot. I'm next to the cameraman. And the sides of the Hughie are open. The two sides are open. Yes. Okay. And you have the gunners. You have the M60 gunners on each on side. On each side. Mm -hmm. And, and so as we're taking off, the pilot is, the, you know, the roar of the props is really overwhelming. But the pilot is screaming something at the cameraman. Mm -hmm. And the cameraman went like this. And I said to the cameraman, what is the pilot saying? He said, screaming at me. He said, he just said, you're flying at your own risk. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> now you're telling me this. <laughs> what does that mean, you know? <laughs> What that meant is that he wasn't going on a resupply. He was, he was going on a medovac. Then I realized, because after like 10 minutes flying, he went down, he put the helicopter down in a violent maneuver mm -hmm. and started flying treetop level. You know, flying the really fast. This mm -hmm. is combat flying. I knew that. I didn't, nobody had to tell me this. I, my heart was pounding. Okay, and we're, we're filming all this. One of the, all of a sudden, he brings the helicopter to a clear, like the top of this mountain, and shh, boom, puts the helicopter down, all very fast. Right. And I can hear the pilot screaming in Spanish, fire, 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 fuego, fuego, to the gunners, and the gunners are going at it. And I can see guerrillas on both sides. They, they were firing, firing back. back. Yeah, that's why they're firing. We're like, oh my God. And then, before I can even react to this, somebody started bringing all these soldiers inside, just throwing them inside, all shot up, blood everywhere. Oh my God, we were like, we were in the war zone. We definitely were in the middle of it. And you can hear the fuselage, you know, the Getting bullet, hit. bullet yeah. being hit. And I'm thinking, oh my are you, God. Are you rolling on this? We were rolling, we never stopped rolling. We never stopped rolling, okay? And, uh, <laughs> You know, maybe it was 20 seconds, 30 seconds to me. It was like hours. But they kept bringing all these soldiers, and we got all splattered with blood. And then the pilot took off, and he kept saying, fire, fire. And the gunner never stopped. They were full blast on both sides. And we took off, and the pilot started doing this from left to side, right. maneuvering with the helicopter for two reasons, to avoid taking ground fire yeah. and to give the gunner full aim, you know, full view of the sh They were firing and everything, and we could hear in it. And I'm thinking, one of these kills the pilot. We're all dead. Right. But he gained altitude and then put, again, the, the, the helicopter on the, you know, combat flying on top of the... Right. Wow. We were so... I, I can't begin to tell you how impressive that was. Yeah. We came back to the place where we had taken the helicopter, and... The adrenaline is flowing so much, we jump out because we need to get the shot of the helicopter, of the, uh, the soldiers being taken out by ambulances. Right, right. So we got the whole sequence, right? How many soldiers did you, did you uh, did they rescue? There were about four or five soldiers. And they were all wounded? They were all one with was like facing me. He was really in bad shape. Half his arm has been blown off. Oh. And they had this kind of a smile on their face because they had been shot with morphine. Mm -hmm. So they were in no pain. They, had, they were high on morphine, but to see these men all, you know, hurting really bad and with the kind of a smile, it was, it was horrible, okay. So we landed, we got the shot, 
and then our producer came running because we were all covered in blood. Right. The producer saw this and he comes running. Oh my God! Are, are you, you guys are hurt? Yeah. Are you wounded? We're not answering him. We're into this. We're filming. After that, we finished filming. The cameraman, who was a really six foot two guy, very bulky, big guy, American, American, mm-hmm. he lost that man. He grabbed the producer from the shoulders, started shaking him. We almost got killed, you mother f. We almost got killed. Do you realize what we just seen? But of course, the producer didn't see it. Right. It's just the two of us that right. saw that. But right. he was, you know, he kept going, and I kept going, Mark, Mark, calm down, calm mm-hmm. down, you know? We were so high on adrenaline. We yeah. couldn't come down. We couldn't come down to earth, okay? We were shaking all the way back to the hotel. You know, we went to the bar. We had a couple good drinks. We just couldn't get it out of our minds. I'll tell you how dramatic that footage was. That Tom Brocco in New York uh, introduced a piece saying the war in El Salvador is increasing in violence. And here is what an NBC crew ran into it. You didn't mean that reaction. They let it go the way it was filmed. No edits. No edit. It was all in there. It was like an action movie, but oh it was real. God. And you were, you were right in the middle of we it. We were right in the middle of it. So that's mm-hmm. one thing that I had nightmares for nights. The, the face of that soldier with the smirk and all his side blown to pieces, all bloody. Look, I used to come home and have nightmares, okay? Sometimes at night, my wife would go, calm down. You're not in the war anymore. Calm down. You're home. Oh, but Louis, you know that that's post-traumatic That's stress. only the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I mean, didn't. you seeing some of the same things that, you know, soldiers see yes. when they go and deploy right. into war zones, is, except for your weapon is, you don't have one. You have a I camera. I didn't have a weapon. You know, you're shooting with a camera. Right. And then another thing that I remember very clearly, uh, when the pilot is swinging the helicopter from left to left to left, left to right, mm-hmm. you know, gaining altitude, I'm afraid the cameraman is going to slide out. Fall out. Because he has his hands on the big cam- We used to have right. these Ikagami cameras that sure. were like 35 pounds. Right. So I'm grabbing the seat of one of the pilot's uh, seat, mm-hmm. the bottom of the pilot's seat, because we're laying on the floor of the helicopter. Right. And with my other hand, I'm grabbing the belt of my cameraman because he's swinging around. I'm afraid he's going to fall oh, off. Loud. Yeah. You know, and at the same time holding the, the video cassette recorder that in those days was a big monster, about 30 pounds that I have hanging on me. <laughs> It, it was, I'm telling you, it was horrible, wow. Wow. okay? And, of course, Broco personally thank us, and, boy, you guys are okay, you know? Yeah, but it took me a while. I will never forget that, so you know? Th- uh, did you go back and co- continue covering the El Salvador and the yes. Civil War afterwards? Yes, yes, yes. We, well, we continued. We were there. You know, we yeah. had at least about another week to go Got after it. that. Right. How much time did you spend covering the conflict oh my god i used to go there for years in those Mm -hmm. i used to spend about seven months out of the year traveling not all at once but a week here two weeks there a week home another two weeks there Mm -hmm. you know and there was a lot of going on in in central america there was a civil war in el salvador 
the Contra war trying to dislodge the Sandinistas, the, the Reagan was financing the Contras, and there was a very deadly, the very quiet civil war in Guatemala too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Focus for more fascinating interviews with folks in the entertainment industry. 